Hey guys, welcome to another podcast episode. The podcast has been going great with the help of our Yeti Blue Mic microphones and our Skull Candy headphones, and I wanted to make sure that if you're digging the podcast, if you could, please rate it on iTunes and possibly leave a review, maybe even subscribe to it. We would love that because it helps out the podcast's profile all around online and on iTunes. It, it, it's it's kind of odd because depending on where you log on to the podcast um, on iTunes, there are different reviews in, uh, in different places. For example, if you log in directly through iTunes, there are different reviews than if you log on, if you just check out the podcast online. But I do appreciate all of them. There are some some reviews up there already. One from a guy claiming to be or calling himself Ian Gillen, saying that uh, it's his favorite podcast on iTunes. Um, thank you very much, Ian. Pete C wrote in and had some really nice things to say about the podcast too. Thanks a lot, dude. Stacy said it's Danko. Nuff said. Rob said it's really entertaining. Adam says that. I'm the man. So, so thank you, Adam. And up on deck for this episode is Patrick Pentland from the rock group Sloan. Sloan are a four-piece rock band from Canada, more specifically Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. All members reside in Toronto now, but and they've been consistently churning out superior rock music for 20 years with 10 albums strong uh, under their belts. If you haven't heard them, I suggest you go directly to the record store or iTunes or wherever they've got the records and buy them immediately. Bands like The Strokes and Jet have cited them as influences, have taken them out on tour. And I think Jet, if I'm not mistaken, has even gone on record as saying that Sloan are the reason or the biggest inspiration for them to start their band, which is high praise indeed. We have known them, we have known Sloan, uh, since year one of our band. And all four guys in, in Sloan, one way or another, have all been very helpful and supportive of us. Um, so when I asked Patrick Pentland, singer-guitarist on stage right, to sit in on this week's podcast, he easily agreed, and despite some technical difficulties from my end beforehand and Nick's late audition that delayed his arrival, all went as hoped. Check it out yourself. Here it is. The official Danko Jones podcast with our guest, Patrick Penland, sitting in starts now. We have started the podcast. Uh, the official Danko Jones podcast is now in session. Sans Nick Flanagan, he's actually on his way. He's coming from an audition. But we have our guest this week. We have our guest from the legendary rock, Canadian rock group. You guys are icons in Canada. The guitarist, the singer, the songwriter, the man, Mr. Patrick Penland. Patrick, how are you doing today? I'm good. That's quite an introduction. Yeah, man. Um, thanks for coming down. No, I appreciate you having me. It's, it's, uh, Nick is actually, he just texted before we turned on the mics and he is on his way. He's at the, he's at the subway and he's, he's briskly walking over here. So excited. He should be coming in as we speak and, and here we are. So, um, well, it's great to have you here. And, uh, I think that our paths have crossed many times over Mm -hmm. the years. Yeah. We share the same building where we practice. Yes, we share the same wall. 
Yeah. <laughs> we've been there. We've both been there for over 10 years. Yeah, probably since it first opened up. I think. Yeah. And I think JC was the one who told Chris Maybe. about it. Maybe. That could be, yeah. yeah. Or, or um, Michael about it. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, but we recently moved to the space next to you guys. Mm-hmm. So we hardly practice there, but you record there. So whenever we're practicing, we have to well, stop. Well, we don't. We don't record there that often, but every time we are recording there, you guys are rehearsing there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just happens that way. Now, because our drummer, Adam, lives in, in Los Angeles, right. when he comes down here, the sessions are m- massive and we can't risk having you guys shut us down. So we go, actually, there's another kind of pay-as-you-go yeah. building. We go there now. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, we're not in there that often. I know JC, I think, was saying to Chris that you guys are going to be in the beginning of next month yeah, for a few there. days. But yeah. we, won't, we won't be using it. We're, I'm recording tonight, I think. But, but uh, You are. Yeah, and we still get bleed from other bands, too. So it's not, it's, you know, we have a, our rehearsal space is a studio, and it's in a rehearsal f- building. So there's nothing we can do about the fact that people are going to rehearse. We've recorded um, probably four records there. Right. Uh, as well as using other studios as, at the same time. Now, when you record uh, your records in the studio, do you, in that practice space studio, do you bring in the producer? Does the producer come in? We usually produce it ourselves, and then we, but we usually do it in conjunction with an engineer. Right. Uh, for a while, we were using our live engineer, Nick DeToro. And now we're using uh, Ryan Hazlitt, and he's done the last few things. And he worked at the Sony studio, in, which is the other studio we used to use when we were signed with, with Sony. So uh, he also does guitars for us, and now he started to do front of house. So right. We keep everybody busy with multiple jobs. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cheaper that way. <laughs> I've noticed that. The people who are with you are with you for a very long time. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. And doing different jobs. We have our friend um, Kevin Hilliard has worked with us selling merch, then he sort of did merch, but he had like a little radio, little radio station at the merch booth, and he used to just he would DJ and sell merch and and talk over the microphone in between bands. And oh wow, that's crazy! I didn't know he was doing that. And then now he's doing lights for us, so it's uh-huh. just like you know move him around. But and he's also shot videos for us and and uh, taken photographs. So there's several extra members of Sloan floating around. Yeah, I've always noticed that. And Mike's still with you guys. He's kind Mike, of the fifth he's member. Our, he's our manager. Okay. Oh, here's Nick. I guess we should just pause and wait for him to show up. Is he? Okay, here we go. How's your time doing? How's what? Your time doing? It's it's not been wasted. It's been okay. Oh, it's been nice. inform. Inform- but you guys know each other, right? Yes, we yes, know each other. Yeah, we so know each other. Yeah, so. I made the I I made the error of thinking that Patrick and Nick were friends from way back, and no, then I met him one time. But Nick it's, it's emailed big... me last night, going, "So uh, what are we going to talk to Patrick about?" And I said, yeah. "Well, we'll just freewheel it." And then you told me you can't really freewheel it because I... you met him eight years ago. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that one thing and focus on the minute details, but I don't know if that would be fascinating to yeah. anybody, including well, us. you were saying Super you were saying that we met in L.A. Yeah. at a Deadly Snakes show. Right, I and went on tour opening for the Deadly Snakes as a comedian in 2003. And how was that? It was fine. Oh, yeah. It was it was it was one of the better experiences opening up for bands. I I mean you know, and at least I've just burped in That's my mouth. Okay. 
That's nice. Was that audible? I always <laughs> pretend it's not audible when I. Well, now everyone knows. But you can edit well, that out. Whether they heard it or not. Gonna, I'm going to demand cr- you crossfade that. You've made but, big uh, yeah, no, because I was remembering that um, I was thinking about how. Uh, Max from the Deadly Snakes. Yeah. I guess you guys had pulled up on Hollywood Boulevard, and he got uh-huh. out, went into a tattoo parlor, and got yeah, he got a tattoo, a symbol like maybe the symbol that was on the record or something. But the guy did a bad job of it, so yeah. he got went <laughs> right next door to the next tattoo sh- parlor and got the guy next door to try to do it better. I do remember I his impromptu. Yeah, the, the Max from the Deadly Snakes did got an impromptu tattoo, which I think is insane in and of itself. Personally, mm-hmm. tattoos. And, oh God, as. Patrick is displaying his <laughs> short sleeve t-shirt. No, but I, I do think that you need to plan it out a little bit. You do. <laughs> Would you have gotten the tattoos you have impromptu? No. I mean, I got one tattoo. It wasn't quite impromptu, but it was close to impromptu. And uh, I don't regret it, but as I heard someone else once talk about his tattoo, he just said, it's there. No, I have it's, friends for sure yeah. who just have lots of tattoos that they just kind of got, and then they end up getting them covered up later and mm. cost like a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, my friend Katie has... Straight edge tattoos. I mean, she broke edge in the <laughs> ni- you know, in the late nineteen nineties, and she's it's always got- fun to see straight edge, uh-huh. old straight edge people with their tattoos, and they're they've got a beer in their drunk, hand. Yeah. She has the word punk in like oh, that's baby block letters, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> lower calf. <laughs> but that's not as bad as my friend John. These are all people I was in uh, brutal nights with. These and are all your brutal nights. My brutal nights cohorts. Ottawa punk friends all had like all the nineties tattoos that you didn't want to get in hardcore. Like my like John. Has like a a rotor on his foot, <laughs> you know, like a, like a gear. Oh yeah, yeah, like oh, he's okay. a robot. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. At least no one's got a barcode that I know of. Well, I know somebody who has a barcode actually. I'm back. But I think she got it. Yeah, I think she got it. Ironically, I'm gonna say she got it in the late '80s, but I bet it was in the '90s. That's a '90s thing. That yeah. is, and no one's thinking barcodes in the '80s tattoos. No one was getting tattoos. Did in they the even 80s. have no, barcodes in the '80s? Sure, they did. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> let's not talk about people's tattoos and stuff because it's it's unfortunate for some people. That and there's a lot of people who I'm listen not, to this podcast. With tattoos. With yeah. tons there's a lot of, of people, period, with tattoos. Yeah. You know what? I kid because I love. Right. I was going to bring up the, the whole thing about my first time I met you. What, when was that? Um, it was kind of, I think it was at the Sloan, the first Sloan show we played with you. But now I was wondering, because I, I always remember... Was it at the concert hall? Yeah, it okay. was at the concert hall, and I think Jail. I want to think J- Jail played, played as well. After I think, us, I think we played maybe, or we played two nights, and you guys played one night, and they played one night. Maybe that was it too. Yeah, I remember that Chris was nervous because you were going to be on my side of the stage, and what part of what you were doing at that time was drinking, chugging like a whole thing of milk. Yeah, yeah, and it was going to be all over the stage, and yeah. he was like, "Patrick's going to freak out if," the, and I, I was sort of like. I'm not going to freak out. What are you talking about? But that's... Now I, I even remember remember it better. It was Patrick was going to be pissed off if you drink the milk. And when we were doing sound check, the stage manager just went right up to us and said, no milk, no milk. And and uh, uh, it was Patrick. Your name was bandied around. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. But before we opened for you guys, I saw you at the subway I can't remember what subway station. I was on one platform, and at the opposite platform, that you were on the train on the opposite platform. The car you were in, the seat you were in, stopped right in front of me, and I was standing at the opposite platform. Yeah. And you looked at me, and we just made 
eye contact for more than five seconds what? and the train went by and I go that guy knew who I was and he hates me I don't and, remember and, uh, that oh I, I, I totally remember that's that that's the and, funniest yeah but you subway know subway hatred that people, thing where someone looks at you that's that's the worst thing is when people think we all think when someone doesn't acknowledge you for any reason yeah exactly they public, hate you but the truth is like they're you're not, not even noticing, thinking about you're you you're not thinking about it you're probably yeah. thinking about you know whatever you're gonna have for dinner that night yeah um, but for me, it registered that way, and oh, so wow. I was really cautious around you. I didn't hate you back, um, <laughs> but I didn't hate you to begin <laughs> with. I know, I know. But Jay and, and Chris were, I think, the the first people that uh, I came in contact with you guys, and then and then we were on tour together. Yeah, this is on tour together, and it was in uh, Saskatoon backstage, Louis, Louis, yeah. and there was this kid who did a zine or something and we were i guess we were kind of sharing a dressing room yeah and it was you and andrew and i was there and i think jc was there and he the kid turned around to me and he and he just goes yeah you know i i just thought that about our performance i just thought that you weren't like you know you weren't being sincere enough or you weren't you know you weren't i didn't really believe it i think more 90s and then both you and andrew just like Came to my defense. I didn't say anything. You guys came to my defense. And then I was like, oh, maybe that thing at the subway was just a, <laughs> it's just a, just a passing. He didn't think like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was all, that was all going in my head. But How it was that moment. How far into the tour was that? <laughs> we were like a week into the tour. Yeah. Right? But I was, you know, you uh, up to that point on the tour, you, you were, you know, nice. I mean, we yeah. probably well, exchanged I- some... You know, I, I'm I'm sure that I was probably shy, or sometimes when I'm to, when we're touring, especially these days, like I don't even show up at the venue until I absolutely have to go on stage, basically, because yeah. I just get nervous and I get just I can't, or I don't like to watch bands. Not so much you guys then, but like these days, to, if I watch a whole band set, I feel like I've I feel exhausted by the time I go on stage. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I feel that way too. I'll so, catch a song or two to yeah, be courteous. But, it's it's hard. But yeah, I just feel like. I got a job to do. I'm not here to hang out. Yeah, you know? I I agree. It's the same way I think. Well, when you're 20 years into yeah um, yeah doing that at like on a professional level, and then five, seven, eight, how many years have it? 30 years of rock. Yeah, no, Almost 25. 25 yeah. Right? Yeah. You guys celebrated it. At least 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. But I've been playing in bands before that too. Right. You know, not professionally. So you've put in enough time that you can just check out but we we often bring bands out on the road with us and then i don't like we brought dead um dearly beloved with us the last time and it was my thing and i like them i think they're a great band and they're great people but i only watched about you know eight songs in like three weeks and that's almost a set yeah so you kind of put it all together we brought out the biters the bright the biters from atlanta and i love those guys they're so awesome and yeah i check out one song. There's a couple of times on the tour where our dressing room was just next to the stage. Yeah. So I heard their whole set. Right. Um, and it's great to hear a band that you like before you go on just to pump you up. Yeah. Um, but no, I wasn't in the on the side stage going, yeah, no. yeah, for the you know 18th time of the tour. Yeah. But that's how it is. No, I was I was thinking about that tour because uh, around that time your cabinet had blown up. 
And so for, for at least one show, you were using my cabinet. And oh. Eric, oh, our, yeah, yeah. Eric, our guitar tech, I remember that. called me over. He was not happy, and you're playing. And he's <laughs> pointing at the back of your... You were using an Ampeg bass head, I think, and he's pointing yeah. at the back, and the tubes are glowing bright yeah. every time you hit a chord. And he's like, they're fucking renting cabinets from now on. They're not using your cabinet. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't care. And he's like, they're going to blow your cabinet up. He was like freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> We stumbled onto this website that you you write for, mm-hmm. and it's like it's kind of like a celebrity watcher, like a celebrity reporter. It is like I yeah. I I got hired by Simpatico to to be like a like a personality blogger guy, like because I'm in a Perez band. Hilton type. No, it wasn't to do with at that time. It was just it's more like Huffington Post or something. Well, it was just supposed to be Patrick from Sloan, what he, whatever you want to write about, and this was a whole different thing. And so I, I started to do, it was called Discord, and I started to do this. I read a few so, pages like, of those. Some of it was music-based, some of it was just about my life. And then it didn't really do that well because they weren't promoting it properly at Simpatico. So I got mm-hmm. moved over to do celebrity stuff um, because my ex-wife runs that portal for Simpatico. So she's oh, okay. just like, why don't you just come write for me, and then I'll, I'll be able to get right. you on the front page because we get along and everything. So mm-hmm. That's um, great. So I started writing, but it meant that I had to start writing about Kim Kardashian and, yeah. and like all these people that I don't really know anything yeah. about them. And you I'm, wrote something about Demi Moore last yeah. night. Last night, I know. Yeah. I I was late posting yesterday because I had a migraine all day. So uh-huh. it was like I was going to do it today because I have to do it. I was sharing it with Dan Levy, who used to work for MTV, and, right. and his father Eugene's Eugene dad. Levy. Yeah. And now he's not doing it, so it's just me doing it every. I used to just do it once a week, and then it was twice a week when when um, Dan was involved, and now I've got to do like a little fluff sort of video piece Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and right. then my own blog Tuesday, Thursday. So now it's like a full-time thing. But I, I, I was going to post today, and then luck, luckily last night it turned out that Demi Moore is going into rehab. So yeah. I was just like, oh, wicked, I'll write this. So now they've now, um, they put it. It is on, lucky she's going to rehab. Yeah. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> so I know I have to know all about this stuff. And the other weird thing was that I, I re- I've done some interviews for them as well, which I've never uh-huh. really done before, and I interviewed Moby. Yeah. And oh, I had to do it like live on the internet, like over a, a webcast. I'd never met him. I'd like never a live stream it. kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and people writing in questions, and then I was sort of like the commentator or sort of host. Mm-hmm. I was super nervous. And I'd never done it before. Uh, but the, the part of the reason why I was nervous was because about six months before that, I had written a piece about how Moby had been complaining about how Britney Spears and whoever else, Rihanna or something, is like emotionless fluff music and and right. and, and commercial, like just made for commercials. Yeah. And I was like, the headline was something like, this just in, grumpy old man doesn't like new things. <laughs> and it was basically like, yeah, of course you're going to think that because you're 40-something years old. Like, yeah. they're not making music for you. They're making music for teenagers. So, right. And he sold every one of his songs on his play record to commercials. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah very famously. Yeah. Um, but he was a super nice guy, and, and, and I respect him. And, and then I went to see him play, and he was he's like winding out on guitar the whole time, like wah-wah pedal. Like, he's yeah. like a guitar Wasn't player. I saw him at Lollapalooza in like the mid-90s when the Moby thing wasn't uh, the instrument, like the, the stuff on play, but it was it was like techno, yeah. hardcore kind of. Because mm-hmm. he was in a hardcore bands. Yeah, he was in a hardcore band. Yeah, he went to, he, when Fucked Up did that like 24 or 12 hour show they, to promote the, the release of their album in New York at a record store, I think one of the gimmicks was like Moby came and yeah. played with them on a song. Yeah, he was. We walked in. They were doing like whole lot of love or something. They're mm-hmm. doing the Zeppelin song, and because he yeah. had this woman singing like an amazing voice, because he does not have an amazing voice. And uh, how does he reinvent himself that drastically? Well, I I think it's probably what he'd been doing 
live for a while, but like yeah. people weren't really aware of it. He did a whole thing, like he did a little talk on stage about the wah wah pedal and like played little licks and stuff. And he's, he's not a bad. He's one player. of those guys now who like just has his fan base. Yeah, you know? he doesn't. Like, he had, he wasn't there. He had a new record yeah. out, but he wasn't really promoting the record. He was just out on tour. Yeah. He played the Phoenix, which I thought was small, but uh-huh. it was, but it was packed with tons of people my age and younger. My girlfriend's considerably younger than me, and she was totally into it, like going crazy, like because that was her time. Like uh-huh. when she was a teenager, that was her stuff. And did you bring out Christina Ricci to carry him for that song? No, <laughs> that would be cool. I I mean Kim Kardashian, for instance, is just like bread and butter for for these people because right. for mm-hmm. celebrity writers because it's just ridiculous. I've never seen her show, but I've written about it many times. I just have to like <laughs> Google yeah. everything, you know. And all you do is just all I do is go off, and then all these people write in their comments, and they're like, you know. They think they're talking directly to the to to Kim Kardashian or something. And it's just <laughs> really? like you know, or like you know, why don't you leave these people alone? You, you yeah. people are horrible, yeah. you know. And it's and they have no idea who I am or what I do. Yeah. So they're always like, this journalist, what, blah blah blah. Like, it's like it's funny, but they're combing the celeb blogs. Yeah. And why the don't sites. you leave these people alone so I don't have to robotically comment on <laughs> yeah, this? I know, like I can't resist. You can edit. That's the beauty of the internet versus. Um, Newspaper is it's not like a retraction the next day. It's like an edit and then maybe yeah. a quick bracket saying, "Sorry, we we changed this." It's no, I go in and change edit. things after the fact yeah. for sure. People will be like, "You spelt this word wrong," and I go back and change it and don't even tell them. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and they just go, oh, "What?" Yeah. But that's not a bad gig. And I mean, are no. you are you enjoying? It? I do enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, I do. I mean, and I I was always a little bit interested in Hollywood uh-huh. anyway, and just the hypocrisy or the the weirdness of of you know, the star system and stuff like that. So you have to work hard to not know what's going on to a certain extent, I think. Yeah. And then you're that guy who's like, I don't have a TV. Right. Yeah. And I know. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that a little bit. I have yeah. a TV, but yeah. I don't. We talked about this before where I have my shows and I don't know any of the shows. Yeah. Other than my shows. Yeah. I, get, I, didn't, I didn't know who Kim Kardashian was until. You never saw that porno. You know, I'm at Shoppers Drug Mart buying yeah, you whatever, see and I keep tabloids. seeing her face yeah. on the on the People magazine. And then eventually, it, it, it's it sinks in some somewhere. It's going to sink in, but I'm not the, the one on the vanguard just telling everyone about Kim's. She is famous because she made the best a porno. porno. Yeah, <laughs> it's, isn't that weird? I yeah, well, Paris was, Hilton too. She yeah, made I think a porno. Did, I, I mean, it was really the same as the Paris Hilton one in terms of like douchey guy, mm-hmm. you know, like. Colin Rob- Farrell made one. Yeah, but that one was more like stolen or something. You know, these. The, so I know the, the Kim one was stolen, the Paris Hilton one was stolen, but I think in my head, the back of my head, I think that something, there's something that was used to the advantages of them mm-hmm. to for those sex. Right. And by Rick, I think Rick Solomon and Ray J might have been the people who like actually leaked those in Probably. order to, to really capitalize on them, but it definitely didn't hinder. I feel like Kim Kardashian was less hindered by it because everyone was like, I'm so glad I saw your butt, your crazy butt. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and Colin Farrell probably has many more tapes. Yeah, though that was, I saw, I don't want to say that I've seen a lot of the celebrity sex tapes, but I've seen I have. most of them. I've, I've seen, seen ones of people of who I don't really? know who they are. Yeah, I haven't really seen any of them. I got them. We'll yeah. see it after the <laughs> Yeah, we'll watch them together. We'll watch we'll them together. Some popcorn uh, on a couch. You ever see that movie Diner? <laughs> we'll do the popcorn <laughs> scene from Diner while watching. <laughs> All right. Um, but um, there's Kim Kardashian, there's Vince Neil, there's Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson, there's 
Brett Michaels and Pamela Anderson. Yeah. Oh, I'm a, the I'm sex a big tapes. Porn yeah. Head. Oh, yeah, I'm just I, running down yeah. the porn tapes. When I've been tweeting back and forth with the Sloan Twitter feed, um, we had this thing at one point where we were going to beat you in terms of Twitter followers, and yeah. I tweeted something, and then you tweeted back, and then w- you and I met at some party, and you told me that you'd gotten a lot of I hate tweets from people going, fuck that guy, yeah. fuck him, fuck him. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it was so obvious that we were just joking. Like about you, people who were like, I was yeah, making about Danko Jones. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think I was even saying to people, no, 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 we're friends. We, we know those guys. Like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> but that whole thing, I, I, but, you know, maybe it's just, once again in my head, but I just feel that that is what, how people in Canadian music or Canadian rock view us as like like we're the first you know any move that we make that's they misunderstand us and misunderstand every move we make i was looking at your your Um, form spring there yesterday oh yeah and it's i mean it seems like and i've always felt this because i used to read the sloan forum in like the 2000s or late 90s and it seems like you have very dedicated fans who Mm -hmm. have very deep questions about a a lot of aspects maybe it's because of the songwriting portion there's so many songwriters in Sloan there's so you you know so many songs so many albums now people are just like the amount that they're asking people have grown up with Sloan of course yeah when I remember when I was when we were playing shows with you guys Mm -hmm. and we did that tour when we did that concert hall tour I was I had a job at a coffee store and the girl one of the girls who worked there she was maybe 15, 16. She worshipped you guys. Yeah. And the, and the fact that I was playing with you guys, I became like super cool overnight. Yeah. It was awesome. And now she's probably, you know. Dead. In her, in her <laughs> late 20s or early 30s now. And she's, right. you know, people have grown up with the band. Well, I got that. Uh, I got added to the Sloan mailing list. I wrote a piece or something about Sloan. I was on the mailing list and you guys had that download uh, mm-hmm. album of your singles. Yeah. And like I, is I, I keep listening to it. It's like the best album. It's like I know I don't even know if that's that. That's like you I, played it at your night. I play it all the time oh, yeah. at your comedy at, night. at the uh, at the the comedy night. I played it at, at, when Scott Thompson was up. We played like the whole record all the way through, and it's like it's crazy. It's like it's so solid in terms of a, a singles collection. It's it's gonna be really funny when. All said and done, like it's gonna be uh, impressive. I think it's gonna. You it's know, already impressive. It's already. I, tracks, I was so tracks? impressed, is what I mean. Okay. Was, yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to phrase it in a way that. How many was, albums do you guys have? Ten. Like, ten. Yes. Ten official records and then other records like right. live record and E sides. But stuff. ten is how I count it. I yeah. thought that the release of that though was also really nice and a really kind of the smart download? thing to do. Yeah, yeah, because it was almost like a reminder of like. At least for me, I really felt like, oh man, I'm an idiot. A lot of people, there's Sloan not rule. too not too many bands like Sloan anymore. Where yeah. uh, they're kind of like, I guess people have called you like Canada's Beatles, where every every member in the band takes a tr- uh, sings their songs, and it's like Kiss, mm-hmm. how Kiss was with their solo albums. I, and I think it's really unique um, still in, in music today. And everyone's got s- strong tracks. There isn't, I feel, maybe you have. <laughs> your own personal issues uh, as we all do in bands but uh, I feel every member contributes sol- solid contributions on every album there isn't one guy who's like alright I'm got you know got my little folk tune guys <laughs> and you guys gotta be nice and let that track on the on the album is there some sort of uh, uh, 
you know, a uh, process. Well, more than a process, just more, more of a, do you guys kind of criticize each other that way? Like, no, not Andrew, really. seriously, we can't have this fucking track. on. Uh, no, it's pretty much whatever you want to do. Wow. But so I think people bring responsibility to it as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you always fucking come out with the solid two rock. Tunes yeah. I usually can. have one, at least one on a record. Sort of my job. And I want to end this podcast, if, if I could. Like, we always play out, uh-huh. uh, like, 40 seconds or something, yeah. um, with backstabbing. Oh, okay. If that's cool. Sure, yeah. Because that's a pretty rocking That's one that, that a lot of the quote-unquote hardcore fans don't like. But I like it. What yeah. is their problem I with I love that? it. I think they don't like the lyrics or something. I don't know. I never pay attention to lyrics. Yeah, you know, Sloan fans always strike me as um, studious. Yeah. Yeah. And that will get you some hay mail. Well, maybe it's because <laughs> Patrick's been rocking the glass. Patrick and Chris have been rocking the glasses so on stage for right. years. So that makes us smart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. We both hey. got Ray-Bans on. Did you rock the glass? I don't rock glasses when oh, I'm on I stage. Oh, I always take my glasses off yeah. on stage. No, I used yeah. to. Chris and Patrick, no. No, mm-hmm. I used to, and, and, but I don't anymore. I mean, I wear them all the time. Yeah. I have to now, but... Um, but uh, I guess that maybe became part of our thing. I don't know. I never really thought about the glasses. I did because I'm I'm always well. I can't wear them, and then I have to find them after the show. Where the fuck are my glasses? You guys played Saturday Night Live? No. The only thing we've done that way is Conan O'Brien. Right. Ah, you did Conan O'Brien. But like a long time ago. How was that? Nerve-wracking. It was nerve-wracking, but I think it was December. It was like December 23rd. So it was like nobody, everybody's out at parties. They're not Mm -hmm. watching Conan O'Brien. Oh, right, right. Christmas parties, right. But, uh, you know, it was cool. It It was good to do. It was... Um, and it's not live like SNL. Like, yeah. It is live in front of an audience, but if you really fucked it up, you could do it again. Um... But we met Max Weinberg in the elevator, and he was just a super not friendly guy. Wow. <laughs> He's known to be a prick. Really? Oh, Apparently, wow. they did a Secret Santa that Christmas, and he refused to, to participate. I mean, he's Jewish, <laughs> but like he, he refused to, like, this some poor girl didn't get a present because Max Weinberg said he wasn't going to buy her a present. And then he didn't come with them. To, yeah. Um, well, he, I think he was touring, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but, it just yeah, sort of dissolved. Yeah. It seemed at some yeah. point the the Conan thing. And well, so who's uh, who's is Max Weinberg now? Um, it's like La Bamba. It's La one of the guys the from guy the band. Is yeah. now the guy that yeah. he talks to all the time. La yeah. Bamba. He's he's the, remember there was the, the, the he's the from Los Lobos guitar. No, he's the guitar player, isn't he? Yeah, he's the guy with the mustache, and he, oh, would, he would always get deferred to. Yeah, uh, you know, he was like the guy after Max Weinberg that would get addressed in the band, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, band. I guess he's running it. And I think there should be a Max Weinberg Neil Peart buddy movie, <laughs> <laughs> just about prickly drum, drummers. Although now I, I feel awkward pick. You can't, you shouldn't really pick on Neil Peart at this point. It's you know, I I, uh, I sent I sent a, a fan letter to me, not really a fan letter, but a letter to Neil Peart in uh, two thousand and four uh-huh just going hey you know i put out a spoken word record and, I, and i'd read his books and I, I i you know whatever and i'm a big fan um i got a response in 2007 
Really? Three years later. From him or from somebody from else? From him. Oh, what, wow. what did he it say? It took him three years, but he wrote me back. And he wrote, uh, it was on a postcard with his, um, his picture on there. And he just said, hey, uh, thanks a lot. I'll check it out. And whatever I had said, I'd forgotten mm-hmm. what I'd written, but he responded to the actual letter. That's cool. Um, and uh, in 2004, we were touring so much, I just moved back home and kept my stuff there mm-hmm. and I, I was there and in 12 months I think I was there for four mm-hmm. and I didn't want to just keep paying rent yeah. so I had all my my mail forwarded to my parents so when I moved out like 2007 I'm already it's three years later um, my mom <laughs> I met my parents for dinner and she goes oh this just came in the mail and she just threw it on the table <laughs> like it was a postcard mm-hmm. you know and I looked at it and I'm like oh my god do you know who this is yeah. like this is a, a letter for th- three years. I've been waiting for it. So I just was thinking about all that because in the Rush movie, in the documentary, did you guys see mm-hmm. it? Yeah, where he just says, you know, I like I like it when people appreciate my drumming, but if you come at me like I'm God or are weird to me, I am yeah done. And and so I picture him not reacting well to that kind of thing. But I guess if you're Rush, you do well. Get that's people... why the postcard to me because I knew yeah. that and I know behind the scenes stories like that. Yeah, not where he's like a dick to someone. No, but... I, I I have I know somebody who is friends with those guys and um and there's some I wouldn't say it on I wouldn't want to dis I I have a lot of respect for those guys. But yeah, but um I know that that Neil is paranoid about yeah getting shot stuff like that. yeah yeah no yeah. i i understand like and and i can I'm sure see there's it. been i'm yeah. sure he's received things in the mail from yeah people are just like what the fuck i mean again it's like what, are, what are they, when did they start playing in the the late 60s early 70s so mm-hmm. the kind and they got they were so 70s. huge and you're gonna deal with people saying crazy things and, yeah. yeah i understand i understand his whole thing i get it mm-hmm. i get it and i know he's not trying to be an asshole no but i mean i've, I've it, heard stories where he's a bit it's a bit paranoid yeah yeah like I've heard that he has to, like when they play a show, the house lights stay down till he's on his bus and the bus is pulling out and mm-hmm. then the house lights go up, so that and he travels with like a, you know somebody who's like he has somebody he travels with him often to right. like you know be a barrier I guess. Now this is just what I've heard. It might not be true. And but, also like given his personal life, yeah, you know, you, oh yeah, he well just want to anything. leave him alone. At well, this yeah, point. yeah, what, yeah, what he exactly. went through in his his life and then to to actually pick himself up again and go back out on the road. Uh, of course, it, everybody's going to be like, whatever you want. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Never mind the fact that he's already like one of the you know greatest rock drummers ever. Like, yeah. You know, but yeah. um, so that's why I thought like that letter back to me was that I didn't expect an answer yeah. at all. No, that's awesome. I, I don't just, even care. Three years. I just think about, about sending out like a, um, a letter or com- trying to communicate with someone you don't know. Yeah. Just, he doesn't just, know me. Mm-hmm. It really, the ball is really in the person, the other person's court. And if they do respond because it, you know there's such a pile up sometimes now wait like, a minute i don't like, want to send people going i don't want to i don't want to have people going oh all you got to do is write a letter to neil yeah, oh, yeah. i knew I, someone i knew someone who passed on the letter to him yeah right yeah, so yeah. it wasn't as if i just wrote him and he wrote me back okay so it was not unexpected from his point like his end mm-hmm. it, it was probably presented to him right so right 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 i should say that so people should send not write email. Neil. No, don't, yeah. don't write Neil. <laughs> Add Neil. You're not going to get an answer. Don't be afraid. And don't get mad when you don't. Facebook. Yeah. yeah, but that's but I was going to say that's the thing though. These days you don't need to send a letter. You just 
tweet to somebody and often you might get a response. Yeah. Like, you know, I would be interested in knowing if Neil Peart does have a Twitter. He doesn't. I don't. Think oh, my God. Rush know. Rush have one. It's just Rush the band, but yeah. they don't do it. Yeah. But I'm Tour super, dates up now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Tweets like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, you know. There are lots of people who are on Twitter that you know, you can get in touch with, and I'll answer people back if if I feel that it's something I can answer. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. if it's just like, how's it going? Then I'm not. Gonna I've tweeted you. you. Yeah. You want to do our podcast next week? Exactly. I do think I think you might have laughed at my jokes. I probably in 2003. Did. I was probably drunk. Yes, that's probably why. <laughs> and Chris, you know, was a big, one of the earliest people who was into like, I guess he had a pipeline with a friend about like cool comedy or something. Mm. But he was, it was at that show in 2003 where he kind of was like, hey, do you know this guy, uh, Louis we, C.K.? Yeah, we went to yeah. see a lot of comedians when we were making that LA, record. Yeah, that's yeah. a great place we to saw see some, comics. Like, there were always benefits and you'd see like mm-hmm. Sarah Silverman. And, mm-hmm. um, and that was such a great time to like be seeing someone like Sarah Silverman because her jokes, you know, it was yeah. like, right around. Probably yeah, she was on stage. Magic. She was on stage with like a little notebook. She's so clever. Oh, but wow. I have yeah. a story to end this whole thing. My story, um, when we were making Action Pack, Mike Nelson, our manager, was down hanging out with me. And we went out one night, like a Tuesday night, <clears throat> and nothing was going on at Sunset. And so we we're going to head back. And then we just went to the comedy store mm-hmm. just to see what was going on. And we walk up and we're like, well, anything going on tonight? And the guy's like, yeah, Chris Rock's on stage right now. It's $5. And we go in, and Chris Rock is doing like his whole stand-up that ended up on one of his HBO, wow. the whole Clear Heels thing, like yeah. if your daughter's on. And like, <laughs> I was, I literally, he was like, "Where that fridge is from me," and he just did his whole thing. And then the next comedian was introduced, and he just walked out of the room. He's like, "I'm not fucking following Chris Rock." <laughs> and then Carlos Mencia, is that the guy? Oh, yeah. He got up and did a whole thing, and at the very end, he stuck the microphone in his mouth and drooled all over it, and then just handed it back to the next comedian who was coming up. Just like, yeah, because probably he'd given. He'd been given some shit by like, the comedian yeah, who was probably. following him because he was uh, probably bumping him. Yeah, because <laughs> that's what he's famous for. Right. Is and yeah, he's he's reinvented himself right now. Oh really? Yeah, well, yeah he yeah. had a whole breakdown where he was like accused of stealing yeah, material, stealing jokes, and that stuff, and and now there was a New York Times article recently that was about how he's lost forty pounds. And, hmm. uh, Is he has, funny? I don't really think, I never really liked his stuff that much. Yeah, I, I wasn't either. a fan either, no, actually, either. to be honest. So um, I'm going to assume it's going to be And it's the not because of public opinion. I mean, no, I to care. me, he just has that Dane Cook thing where it's like, why is your personality so clearly not that like serious and kind of aggressive and that's shining through? Uh-huh. That's what shines through more with his with with his material to me is like his like weird personality freaks right. me out but everybody hates dan cook i don't mind dan cook i don't mind dan cook i think he's actually pretty funny but but i feel there is this thing with dan cook where there's like a regular guy who's not it's trying je- to be it's funny jealous. he's just trying to be a dude it's jealousy man i don't know because he's, he's the biggest friggin' comedian around yeah that's the thing i think it's i mean I, certainly within the, the comedy world there's there's gotta be like a I mean, people get into comedy to deflect things, yeah. shortcomings in their lives anyway. There's big comedians. Yeah. There's big comedians who are not disliked 
You know, right? There's like, uh, and you know, here's this funny guy, good-looking, funny guy. But is yeah. he? But is he the Ed Hardy of comedy? I think. I think that he's is viewed that as that. Thing? I yeah. think he's viewed as that. He put out his thing called Tourgasm, you know, right. which is like he just is kind of like cheesy and yeah. uh, to some people, which is fine because that's that's just an opinion to have. I I don't like. I personally <laughs> think that, but at the same time, I don't know. Like he. I just whatever makes me laugh the same way. Whatever I agree makes with you, me and rock. I've laughed at Dane mm-hmm. Cook for you know in in the past. I'm not gonna sure. wear a Dane Cook shirt. No. I I just think but. that he's. Uh, maybe it's just that he takes himself really seriously. Seemingly, oh, he does. He's one of those guys who kind of is such has such an internet presence that if you actually say something about him on the internet, there is a chance he'll be like. Hey, you. Fuck you. Well, yeah. I kind of like I, that. Well, yeah. I I see that with Patton Oswalt and. Um, Jim Norton and people like that, like they yeah. they just like rise to it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a bit of a double standard actually. Where Joe like Rogan too. Someone yeah. like Dane Cook uh, will get like a lot of shit for doing stuff, but then you know someone who's more of a underground internet nerd hero, or I don't want to say nerd, but like a basically a, a you can there's say there's a nerd. thing in comedy Pat now Oswald. where it's like in wrestling. Yeah. In wrestling, there were people who like followed the backstage and what was really happening and all that. They were called smart marks. And there's like a movement like that I feel in comedy where there's people who really think even though they're not inside because they're listening to so much comedy podcast because they know who's mm-hmm. not getting on pilots because they know what's going on with Patton right. Oswalt, you know what play he's in now that they are have an inside track and there are good guys and bad guys. It's weird. <laughs> it, it is almost like a wrestling thing. Okay, yeah, we're done. We're really you. You wrapped it up. Twenty. You said and to wrap, and to wrap it up. up, and then. <laughs> oh, was that your way of ending the podcast? The the uh, you were the Eddie, the Eddie Murphy the um, the Chris Rock Chris thing? Rock thing. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. No, know. but we got a lot of good stuff after. I thought that, you though. just wanted to change yeah. the subject, but that's that was you making the executive decision. So I got a whiz. We're, we're done. I got a whiz. Yeah, I gotta go anyway. You got a whiz out. I got a whiz out. Yeah, I got a whiz, whiz in. Whiz home. <laughs>